0: If you've been listening to our podcast for any amount of time, you know that we are obsessed with the safe organic pesticide First Saturday Lime, and it is safer and stronger than diatomaceous earth.
1: Did you know that diatomaceous earth is made from silica, which can cause respiratory inflammation in humans and animals? DE is essentially ground-up shells that repel by cutting up insects. First Saturday Lime has had the silica burned out of the product and has zero health hazards.
0: First Saturday Lime is safe because it's insoluble and will not react with skin or moisture. They have taken extra lengthy steps to make their formula fine, so it's easier to use and more effective.
1: When you use First Saturday Lime, you can be confident that you're making the best choice for you, your animals, and your family. Go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. We drink things, we farm things.
0: Drinking from hey, Sam.
1: Oh, hey, Bev. What'd you open over there?
0: I opened a dogfish head pumpkin ale. Ooh. Ah. Yeah, I love Dogfish Head beers, and I don't know if you know this. I used to have a dog named Dogfish.
1: No, I don't so.
0: I'm I partial to this brewery. <laughs> what are you drinking over there?
1: I went to Meyer the other day after I sold some more bunnies at Rural King, and uh, I went to the canned wine section and got this um from Round Barn, which is a winery in Baroda, Michigan. And it's a light and lively sparkling wine beverage. Mm. So yeah, it's got white wine, beet sugar, cranberry, lemon in it. So it's kind of fancy. I like it. It sounds delicious. I'm feeling bougie today. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things.
1: Woo! This is the Farm Comedy Podcast. That is an adult happy hour for your ears.
0: We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life.
1: We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain for our community of both small and large-scale farmers.
0: And sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming
1: related, but we cut a lot of those tangents and stick them up on the Patreon. And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. And we have all kinds of fun exclusive recordings up there. And Bev posted a cool picture of her editing things the other day. Um, So you can check those out if you're at the $2 level a month or above. And it's an excellent way to uh, support the podcast at a very low cost.
0: Yeah. And fall gifts should be in everybody's hands by now, except maybe the person in Canada, you might be waiting just a couple more days because it just takes a little longer to get there. Um, But they have all gone out and gone to the post office. So I'm really excited for everybody to get them.
1: Yeah. Do we want to tell people what we did this round?
0: Yes, because they should have it by now. Yeah. So I don't think we're spoiling it.
1: If you don't hit like the 30 second forward button twice.
0: (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But this go around, Bev found a really cool um, website that could help us make these cork coasters. And it's got like laser engraved um, Give Zero Clucks, that design in it. So the Patreons each got a couple of those um, as a thank you for supporting us at the $5 level or above. And when I talk like that, I feel like I'm on PBS or something, (laughs) but it's just the threshold (laughs) that we set. Um, So if you're a supporter of the podcast at that level, you're going to get a gift every couple of months. So we did have some extras and we're going to throw them up on the shop shortly so if they're not up there now um they will be soon
0: yeah so you can snag yourself some uh even if you weren't in on the patreon gift but we don't always have extras so if you want to make sure that you get in on it join our patreon page we try to entertain you in there throw some fun stuff make it a community
1: you get neat stuff too there you go right and it (laughs) the price isn't gonna be as good if you're getting it on the website too. So that's something to consider as well. You might just kind of wait around to see if there's extras, but you're most likely going to get a better deal if you're a Patreon supporter. And who doesn't like a good deal? And while we're on the topic of Patreon, this week's drinks are sponsored by Montana Coombs, who is at Works on the Instagram. And she has a pretty cool shop online where you can buy mugs and shirts and hen saddles and all sorts of fun things. So if you go to thinbullworks.co, you can check all that out. And she's also given our, our listeners a discount code. So if you go on and find some things you like... When you check out, use code Farm, and you're going to get 10% off your order. So thanks, Montana. Cheers. Chaz. Okay, so I have some corrections this week. Ooh, here we go. We haven't had corrections in a while, so I'm actually kind of excited. We haven't.
0: <laughs> I'm going to blame it on the fact that we recorded three episodes in the same week.
1: yes we had a marathon compared to how we usually do this
0: (laughs) yeah and I think that when that happens like we don't get as much time to kind of like soak in all the information that we're talking about so we like talk off the cuff just a little more (laughs) okay and I mean talking off the cuff is a great way to say the wrong thing (laughs) right yes so uh in the last full episode in my can't even we were talking about what it was that kept the canes of semen cold and it's liquid nitrogen that's what it is i just said okay. i couldn't remember it some sort of gas but liquid <laughs> nitrogen is the thing that keeps things cold
1: <laughs> yes that makes so much more sense now that you're saying it out loud this way <laughs> but before i totally blanked you <laughs>
0: and in the mini-sode, we had talked about bitter vetch as like an ancient uh, plant that was part of our history of ag conversation, and I said that bitter vetch was an herb, but it's actually a legume, and um, I was trying to remember what I had mixed it up with. I think I mixed bitter vetch up with borage. But I'm not 100% sure. Mm. Um, so that's why I'd gotten herb in my head. Um, but it's a legume and it's also known as the health pea, and it's mostly used for livestock feed. So those are my corrections.
1: Oh, very nice. I mean, I don't know what borage or bitter vetch is. So you had a better guess than I did to begin with. <laughs>
0: I'm a seed hoarder, so I have a lot of really strange seeds.
1: <laughs> I just pictured like walking into your house next time and going into your office and like having to walk over piles of seeds, like in the hoarding show. <laughs> I just got that mental image really quick.
0: <laughs> if you came into my office, that's exactly what you would do because they are spread all over the floor right now in my office. And oh my gosh. Like, are you going to clean those up? It's not even <laughs> planting season. And I'm like, I. I'm I'm still deciding what to do for fall.
1: I'm planning. (laughs) Now we're going to dive into this week's episode. Um, And the main topic this week, we're going to talk about mental health. Um, So back in episode 68, which the title for that one is I Love You With All My Skin, we talked about the high suicide rate in the farming community and the resources available to those in need. And it was kind of a downer. Um, But it was a good conversation to have because a lot of people aren't aware. Like my mom grew up as a farmer's daughter and had no idea that the suicide rate was that high. So it was an important conversation to have. But a lot of times when you hear people, you know, on social media talking about mental health and agriculture, it's because there's a lot of darkness out there. But today we want to shed some light on how doing farming activities can actually be really, really good for you. Um, so it's, it's going to feel a little happier today and give you some good vibes, and we're excited to share this topic with you.
0: Yeah, and we're extra excited to share it because a lot of uh, the research and articles we pulled are going to talk about how farming and different farming activities have made a positive impact in the lives of veterans, and specifically veterans with PTSD, So it's all good things today.
1: Yeah. And if you've been scrolling through Facebook lately, I don't know if the algorithm just knows I'm a farm person or what, but there's been an awful lot of buzz lately uh, about (laughs) the benefits of beekeeping, um, specifically for veterans. I tried to make a joke there. I didn't hear Beth laugh. I liked it. So maybe it's a bad one. (laughs) I laughed now. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Just to make me feel better. Thanks. Um, so today we're going to talk about some of the research because there isn't actually a ton yet um, about this topic. And we're going to talk some about some really cool programs that happen to be in Michigan and Ohio today. Yeah, I'm excited. Yes. So to get started, we wanted to point out that Um, this one study that was linked in one of the articles we'll reference today, this study is from Harvard and explains how spending time in nature can actually help reduce stress, anxiety, and depression. So the title of the study is Sour Mood Getting You Down? Get Back to Nature. And it says research suggests that mood disorders can be lifted by spending more time outdoors. Which, I mean, I totally agree.
0: Yeah, I totally agree too. So research in a growing scientific field called ecotherapy has shown a strong connection between time spent in nature and reduced stress, anxiety, and depression. And it's not exactly clear why outdoor excursions have such a positive mental effect, but In a 2015 study, researchers compared the brain activity of healthy people after they walked for 90 minutes in either a natural setting or an urban one. And they found that those who did a nature walk had lower activity in the prefrontal cortex, which is the brain region that's active during rumination. People ruminate. And
1: not like goats. Not like goats, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's the place where in your brain where if you're going to have repetitive thoughts that focus on negative emotions, that's where it happens. And I get this Oh, so when we're doing that,
0: it's called ruminating. Yeah, so
1: you're like focusing or even meditating on the negative emotions and the repetitive thoughts that are on a loop that can't break
0: oh that's super cool and you know i'm actually glad that they did a study on this and i didn't realize that there was actually research behind this but when i'm feeling extra down in the middle of the day one of the things that i do is just go take a short walk through our woods and i do something that's called forest bathing I'm not like naked or anything while I do this. It, so <laughs> I was like,
1: "Bav, are you wearing a flower crown and covering <laughs> yourself in mud? Like, what is happening? I know you're a hippie, but woo."
0: <laughs> nope, I'm wearing whatever my normal clothes are that I'm okay. wearing during the day. Okay. But what forest bathing is is it's letting the natural light uh, that's coming from the sun filtering through the leaves to hit you. And there's something about that combination of like the hot sun, but the filtering light and the shade from the leaves, something about that just kind of has like an instant dopamine boost Mm -hmm. for me. Like it just kind of immediately makes me feel like I'm where I belong. And I, I'm apparently I'm not alone in that.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently there's science behind this, which is super exciting. It is because that means you're you're not crazy. This is legit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just make it up. <laughs> no,
1: no. So this article continues by saying when people are depressed or under high levels of stress the um, prefrontal cortex of the brain malfunctions, and people experience that continuous loop of negative thoughts. So if we dig a bit deeper, it appears that interacting with natural spaces offers other therapeutic benefits. So not only are you calming the F down, but um, listening to the calming nature sounds or even outdoor silence can actually lower your blood pressure and levels of the stress hormone cortisol which calms the body's fight or flight response and cortisol actually in other studies that I can't quote here, but I've read them. (laughs) If you are in constant fight or flight mode because of your stress level, you can actually have a hard time losing weight. Um, or you can even gain weight because that you're like in that fight or flight mode and, like evolution wise, you don't know when your next meal is going to be. Um, that's where that like comes from. And if I'm completely full of crap, somebody correct me, but pretty sure I've read that in a few I different don't think places. You are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've definitely read that before, too, because what it is, is that fight or flight response that you're having in your brain. It's telling your brain that you're in crisis mode. So your body doesn't want to let go of any of its resources that it has.
1: Yes. So if we're both saying it, we're probably pretty right.
0: or we both just get our news from the same weird places
1: (laughs) yeah yeah somebody let us know (laughs) so not only do the sounds of nature have a great effect you can also um, take in the visual aspects of nature and those also have a soothing effect and having something pleasant to focus on, like trees or greenery, can help distract your mind from negative thinking, so your thoughts become less filled with worry. I love it. So if you're feeling like crap, go stare at a tree, is basically what this is. Saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you can't make it outside, you can listen to nature sounds, and it'll have a similar effect. And that was from a report that was published online in March of 2017 by Scientific Reports.
1: Yeah, so researchers actually used an MRI scanner to measure brain activity in people as they listened to sounds recorded from either natural environments or artificial environments. And listening to natural sounds caused the listener's brains brain connectivity to reflect an outward directed focus of attention, a process that occurs during wakeful rest periods like daydreaming, And listening to artificial sounds, think like a car going by or honking or an alarm. (laughs) I'm thinking of all these really negative things. Maybe the TV being on um, (laughs) is not as negative. But listening to those artificial sounds created an inward directed focus, which occurs during stages of anxiety, PTSD, and depression. But the good news is that listening to natural sounds, and even looking at pictures of nature settings or your favorite place to be or a place that you want to visit can actually help you calm down too.
0: That's super cool. And so I'm not surprised by the results of this study because like, we've talked about how I can be kind of weird with like <laughs> what sorts of like auditory input I can handle. Yeah. And one of the things that I can never sand is just the sound of a TV on. That's one of the reasons why we don't have cable.
1: Oh, that's so funny.
0: Yeah, like the news just like running in the background or just like a TV on for no reason, like when nobody's sitting and watching it, It something about that input makes it so that I can't like concentrate. And that, that is probably what it is.
1: <laughs> that's so funny because I'm opposite. Like I, and I've tried to be better. Like if I'm just in the house and not doing anything, I'll just keep like silence. Um, I've been trying that lately, but I always have TV on. I sleep with the TV on, and that's a learned habit from when I was, like, a kid. Um, And if it's not on, I can't sleep, Um, which is probably part of my problem. (laughs) Um,
0: Well, I used to have that problem, too, because I always slept with the TV on when I was little as well.
1: uh. (laughs) So you've just, like, went extreme opposite then with not wanting it on at all unless everybody's sitting down and watching something together.
0: Yeah, it must be that. Um, But that's really interesting. We're both kids from the 80s. Like, we grew up in the 80s and 90s. And we both grew up just, like, with the TV on in our bedrooms. That's funny. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if you're concerned, like, maybe you live in a neighborhood, like, a suburb or a city. You're like, well, how am I going to get around this? Well, the good news is, like, it only takes 20 minutes. And most likely, if you're in a setting like that, you probably have access to a park that isn't super far away. Or if you're like in New York City, you have, you know, Central Park. Um, so just finding those areas where you can find that peace. Um, and maybe if it's still kind of loud with that artificial noise, just pop in some headphones with some soothing noises. Um, you can walk around and enjoy spending that time outdoors. So we wanted to talk about this study because this obviously relates to farming, because you're outside doing something that is with nature, whether it's with animals or planting something or pulling weeds from your garden. Um, So you already are probably doing something that helps you unwind when you're feeling a little stressed or sad. So yay, farming. Yay, farming. And now we're gonna start talking about beekeeping. But I wanted to point out first that you don't just have to keep bees to help with mental health issues. Because not everybody can keep bees. I mean, especially if you live in, like, Chicago. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you can just have them in your backyard, like, you know, as an option. So, but I wanted to um, talk through this with Bev today because I think it's super cool um, to see all of these different programs popping up to help vets out that have PTSD and other mental health related issues because a lot of times you hear about like the VA isn't so great um veterans get the shaft things like that so it's really nice to see that people are trying to do good in these areas and they're getting creative and I want to just spread all those good vibes today
0: well and another thing that's really neat about it as well is if you're suffering from PTSD or anxiety from something that's not related to being a veteran, you can still benefit from a lot of Mm -hmm. this information in these activities as well. So like, yeah, the news articles and the studies and whatnot, they're talking specifically about veterans, but you don't have to just narrowly apply it because you can end up with PTSD and anxiety disorders from any type of traumatic thing that has happened Mm -hmm. in your life. It doesn't just have to be going to war
1: right right i was just talking to somebody that got in a really bad car accident like over a year ago and now she has a hard time like if there's an abrupt stop when she's in a car um and that might be some kind of flavor of ptsd and so that stuff happens to people you know outside of the war zone we just know that veterans are most more likely to get something like that because of their experiences but it doesn't minimize anything that you might be experiencing with anxiety or stress or depression, I don't want you to feel like, well, I didn't go to war. So why do I feel this way? (laughs) It's not that at all. We all have our own reasons. And it can even just be some kind of chemical imbalance going on too. So it could be a variety of reasons that someone feels the way that they do.
0: Oh, yeah. I obsessively check whether everybody's uh, buckled their seatbelts before I leave. Mm -hmm. And I am watching the cars coming towards us like a hawk because I'm expecting everybody to cross that left of sire line
1: yeah (laughs) yep I don't blame you
0: (laughs) and that was over a year and a half ago (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and you might do that the rest of your life I totally could you're finding ways to deal with it though right even with all the farming yeah even with that (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the first article for today is from learningenglish.org voanews.com and we'll link to all these in the show notes so you don't have to try to find them yourself but the article starts by explaining that researchers say that the act of beekeeping may help people with mental health problems such as stress anxiety and depression and many are calling it beekeeping therapy and many soldiers returning from military service have trouble dealing with the experiences of war Um, And they may also have trouble creating a productive life after the military, because some of them, you know, might come home and become homeless, Um, they might be depressed, there may be drug and alcohol abuse, Um, and all those things can affect military veterans. There's this veteran named um, Vince, I'm not even going to try to say his last name, unless you want to try, Bev. Nope, you I don't want to touch that one. Yeah, so we're just going to call him Vince Y. We'll call him Vince. I like but it. Yeah, it's, it feels more personal. So <laughs> so Vince served in the military for nearly 40 years, including two tours in Iraq. And he suffers from PTSD, or post-traumatic stress D- disorder. And to treat his PTSD, Vince is part of a beekeeping program at the Manchester Veteran Affairs Medical Center in the state of New Hampshire. And the VA has set up several programs throughout the United States just like this. But in a recent report by the Associated Press, Vince explained how beekeeping calms his mind. And he says, I'm in this program to help me get out of the thought process of all those problems that I have. It helps me think about something completely different. I'm just thinking about the bees. And then there's another veteran that they talk about in this article named Wendy and she also says the beekeeping calms her mind and she can she calls the uncontrolled unwanted thoughts from the past clutter and she said the bee the buzzing of the bees helps to clear out the clutter and she says the buzzing it fills that void in my head where clutter can go so instead of the things that clutter my brain or the experiences that clutter clutter my brain i think of the bees so it seems like with those two experiences it's just a good place to Like zero in on something really, um, like zeroing in intentionally on the activity that you're doing and being able to focus in that moment to like try to get that clutter out of your head. Because when you're messing with bees, I imagine (laughs) you shouldn't really focus on anything else. Even if you're in a like full beekeeping suit.
0: well and something else that i think it might be is the buzzing of the bees um it's okay. like a white noise so you know how they have like those sleep apps or those white noise apps and some of them have like buzzing or like an airplane engine or whatnot because it's a semi monotonous continuous tone mm-hmm. it probably has that same sort of effect on the brain when you're hearing that white noise the the thoughts that cause you to relive that traumatic experience or to start feeling that anxiety spike in you can't enter because there's not space for them anymore because your brain is thinking about the buzzing.
1: Oh, that makes sense. So we mentioned that there was that program in New Hampshire, but there's actually another one based in the state of Michigan called Heroes to Hives. And this was started by a man named Adam Ingrero. I could be slaughtering the last name. So we're just going to call him Adam. Um, But Adam joined the Army shortly after the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001. But when he was medically discharged just two years after that, um, because of a training accident, he came home and had a really hard time. Um, trying to find something that was rewarding and that he could continue to like fill that need to serve his country. So that's how he found beekeeping. He found beekeeping very meditative and it forced him to stay present. And sometimes, you know, you could kind of go off into left field, but if a bee stings you, it's going to kind of bring you back to the task at hand. Um, And that's something (laughs) he points out there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so he, he calls it like a mindful spell. He says, Hey, you need to be here. You need to be here with me right now. And allows him to step back from relieving the past over and over again and experiences he may have had, whether it was in the military, serving in combat, um, anything related to that. And it just brings him to the present and engages him in that moment.
0: And the program developed gradually. Adam, who lives and farms in Lansing, Michigan, discovered his love for bees in 2010 when he took a class on beekeeping at the California Polytechnic State University. And it was a chance to continue serving his country by supporting one of the most important insects on the planet. And those were his words. That was what what he thought about it.
1: Which is just so cool.
0: It is. I think it's so
1: cute.
0: And what's even more cool is that he moved to Michigan to get his Ph.D. in entomology, and he has opened up B Wise Farms in Lansing's Urbendale neighborhood. So he is continuing to just like pay his experience and this new calming thing that he got for himself and sharing it with other people, which is just amazing.
1: Right. Totally. So in 2014, he started working with the Veterans and Agriculture Network in the Michigan Food and Farming Systems. Um, And it's a nonprofit that connects veterans with agricultural resources and opportunities. And he started the Farmer Veteran Coalition of Michigan the following year. And it seemed natural in 2016 for him to develop another program for veterans, Um, with the bees. So that was the first year for Heroes to Hives and it had five veteran students. And then in 2017, they got some funding from the AT&T Foundation and expanded and brought the program to Michigan State University where the program increased to 15 students. But this year there was 111 students at five locations around the state. So kind of a big deal geez yeah it is yeah so the program obviously covers how to raise bees but a good portion of it tackles aspects of personal wellness from how to meditate while beekeeping to ergonomic techniques for the physically disabled and they focus on empowering veterans to take control of their lives and by being able to practice mindfulness and slow down but also by giving the opportunity to have their own business this is a place for community. This is a place for healing. And it's also a place for learning how to keep bees. And everybody goes, oh. Yeah,
0: geez.
1: Yeah, all that fails. I'm not used
0: to getting to feel so good during our conversation. I know. <laughs> it's a new feeling.
1: I know. We got the warm fuzzies today. Um. There is another veteran in the program named Nicholas. um, And he says that he enjoys beekeeping because of the combination of responsibility and risk that came with caring for the fuzzy, stinging insects. And he says, it may sound ironic that taking care of venomous insects is therapeutic, but it actually is. It's very calming to work with a hive and care for it and have that responsibility. And then Nicholas also says that when you're taking, when you're talking about us vets, you're talking about a group of people who are more often than not are used to being put in high-stress situations with high levels of responsibility. And beekeeping gives them the same amount of accomplishment and gives them the feeling of doing the good that they so desire. So you know how back way back when we were talking about you know mental health and how farmers, when they feel like they can't do what they were born to do by feeding others or providing some kind of value to others at a large scale, that's when they get depressed. It sounds like that's the same exact thing with veterans. Like they had this huge duty to go overseas or wherever to serve their country and they're doing such big scary things that when they come back and they kind of have to just be a normal civilian again, that it's hard to find a reason to get up and go out and be productive every day because it just doesn't feel as important.
0: Well, and I think that is a really important thing to point out because all of our brains are wired just a bit differently. And Mm, people who mm -hmm. are called to military service have that inclination and that desire to serve, number one, because if they weren't interested in that, they wouldn't join. But they probably also, there's something about the adrenaline and the unknown because like military service it's not like getting a regular job and i can speak about this from experience because my dad was in the military for 30 years and he retired from the marine corps shortly after i graduated from college so i was a military child through and through my entire life and they they want the they like the danger they like the unknown they like the because the military tells you where to move next or what you're doing next or what your next assignment is or what your next job is going to be you don't get to have a lot of say in it and I think that there's something that kind of like gives like a thrill of the unknown you know Mm -hmm. like because you have to be open Mm -hmm. to that I have like really huge anxiety so the idea of not knowing where I was going to end up next like I couldn't (laughs) deal. That was why I never joined. And I mean, I thought about it because obviously I was a military child. So that is probably like that was the next natural progression for me. But it just like wasn't it, it wasn't in the cards for me because I was like, oh, my God, I have to listen to somebody for the next like how many years? And I don't like know what's going to happen. My brain's just like on overdrive going, you can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> and I probably could have oh, <laughs> like yeah. if I had figured out how to calm it down. But I was so young at the time. I didn't. But that that's what that his that's what his experience kind of reminds me of that you know our brains are all wired and want different things. So mm-hmm. some people aren't gonna understand that, like wanting the danger and adrenaline and the unknown.
1: Right. Right. And that being in a situation that's safe and, and like relaxed is okay and and normal and acceptable.
0: <laughs> but you know what can make this more exciting? What? Venomous flying insects
1: <laughs> yes that can sting you yes <laughs> so um i found another really cool article to you from 10news.com and it's another recent one talking about um beekeeping and farming programs um for those affected by war and i won't go into this one too deeply but i thought it was really interesting because there was this army veteran um that turned to farming in rural Florida and it was really interesting because um there was this organization called Vet Rest and it helped place um this Andrew Larson person um in a program where he gets to take care of animals and works in a field and he moved from Oregon to Florida to be in this program so I thought that was kind of like a really cool leap of faith to take um And he says that it's a very safe and relaxed environment to let his brain kind of distress and decompress and actually process the events that happen. So while he was in Afghanistan, he actually suffered a traumatic brain injury when his truck ran over an IED, which if you don't know what an IED is, it's an explosive device that's kind of hidden and it's just waiting for somebody to either walk on it or drive over it. Um... And he tried traditional PTSD treatment with a therapist, but didn't feel like it was really helping. Um, and before arriving at the farm, he felt very suicidal. And he says, on Easter weekend, I was basically looking for a building to jump off of. The very fact that I'm here, this place has saved my life. So I thought that was really worth like, pointing out um, that it's making that big of an impact. Even if it these programs... Like, say everybody else is maybe, like, their PTSD is a little more manageable. The fact that it saved one life is worth everything, in my opinion, that these people are doing. Like, it's turned everything around for him, and it seems just so simple. Like, and like you said, Bev, like, not everybody's brain's wired the same way. So maybe traditional PTSD treatment isn't going to help someone. But maybe farming or beekeeping can help. In a different way
0: so i think that that thought was kind of on to something just a little bit more like in farming in general we've talked a lot on this podcast about how we never know like what's coming next and mm-hmm. that might be why these farming therapies whether it's with bees or chickens or other type of farming activities has become more mainstream, quote unquote. I don't want to mm-hmm. say that they're like super mainstream, but I feel like I'm seeing them more often. That might just be because like my farming alarm bells are going right. off all the time. We're when looking I mean the news, <laughs> so maybe yeah. I'm just noticing it more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, that that could explain why this is becoming a more common therapy for PTSD and soldiers because of that. It helps fill that void for the unknown and the. Action that Mm -hmm. their brains thrive off of,
1: right, right, and that sometimes you and I can dread (laughs) because we like a plan. Yes, exactly. We like a plan.
0: I like to know who's going, what time, what we're eating, when, and how we're all getting back. Thank you very
1: much. (laughs) And Bev is driving, which I and Bev is driving always. Bev is a very safe driver, so I'm okay with that. Okay, so I also wanted us to talk about this really cool thing happening in Ohio because, you know, it's football season and, you know, I have to just by default think Ohio sucks in the fall for that reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> they actually have a really cool bee creep, beekeeping program that's been a while, around for a little while now, um, and it actually helps both helpless men and vets, um, so not all homeless people are vets, obviously, but we mentioned that homelessness can be an issue for returning veterans as well. Um, but this is in Ohio City, which I'm not even really sure where that is. Where's Ohio City?
0: I have no idea. And Ohio's <laughs> not that big of a state, but I've only <laughs> been here a few years. That's so. true.
1: <laughs> so we'll we'll have to google it later. but <laughs> um it's for uh, the focus of this article talks about the residents of St. Herman House focus. Which is in Cleveland. Um, so I'm guessing Ohio City like partners with them. Um, so actually I'm looking at the article. So there's work done via day trips from Ohio City. So they travel back and forth there to St. Herman House because that's in Cleveland. So obviously if you're in downtown Cleveland, you're probably not going to be beekeeping, so they do travel for this. But um, four years ago, St. Herman House introduced a beekeeping program with the hopes of not only teaching residents a new and rewarding skill, but also generating funds for the nonprofit via honey sales. And during that time, the apiary, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Apiary? Yeah, that's yeah. a bee house. Okay. Ooh, I didn't know that. I thought they were just beehives. Um, but anyways, the apiary has grown from 4 to 61 hives. And eight shelter residents have taken part in the program, which has raised three three $3,500 to date. And this article is from August um, 2019. So that's pretty dang good. That's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, that is. And I tried to look up where Ohio City was. And would you believe it? Ohio has two Ohio cities. So, what?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> Is there one closer to Cleveland?
0: There's one in Cleveland, like Ohio City oh. kind of looks like it might be like a neighborhood within okay. Cleveland or okay. something like that. And the other one is oddly enough, just like a skip and a hop south of Van Wert, Ohio, which is where my husband's from, which is oh. not near Cleveland. So it's on like the opposite side of the northern side of the state. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm guessing Ohio. it's the one that's in Cleveland.
1: <laughs> Ohio needs to get it together.
0: Yeah, but all yes. of their counties and all of their cities have like duplicates within the state somewhere it's very obnoxious and difficult if you're not from here
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) um all right so now that we know that there are two ohio cities and we should be very confused but we'll assume it's the one next to cleveland because that makes the most sense for the context of this article um but the (laughs) assistant director of herman's house says that the beekeeping initiative is part of a larger vision to create a recovery ranch where men recovering from addiction would live and work gaining hands-on experience in agriculture including greenhouse vegetables and flowers and livestock so the beehives are kind of the first step in the vision which is pretty neat yeah that is So this vision that the director was talking about is taking shape on St. Herman House's 75-acre farm in Trumbull County, where 40 hives are housed, and the first of five large greenhouses have recently been completed, and the nonprofit is forming a committee to explore a fundraising campaign for building a bunkhouse that would enable people to stay on the property instead of having to do those day trips.
0: That would be much more convenient,
1: that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Uh, and all the money raised supports St. Herman House Focus Cleveland, which is a former Orthodox Christian monastery, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, and it's a haven for homeless men in the hungry in Ohio City since 1977. So, yes, it's the Ohio City by Cleveland, now that I'm reading further. <laughs> But (laughs) another interesting fact is this shelter serves three hot meals a day year round, and it's the only facility to do so in Cleveland. And it offers emergency shelter and transitional housing to a total of 40 men. So I think it's really neat that they're doing this because homelessness is actually, you know, obviously a problem um, in the United States. And it's really encouraging me to see that, I feel like this this house is going above and beyond with these kinds of activities because yes, they're providing meals and yes, they're providing shelter, but they're also setting these guys up for success by teaching them like hands-on skills for things that like skills that would be transferable. Like, like kind of like we talked about in our last episode where you learn how to manage things on the farm and then you can apply those like skill sets outside of the farm. This kind of seems like the same thing to me.
0: Well, and they're giving them purpose Mm -hmm. because like one of the things that you need in order to be fully healthy mentally is to feel like you have an idea of what your purpose is. That's why there's so many, you know, like books and tapes and movies and And supplements
1: to help help you find your purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, And another thing that I found really interesting about this article was that they pointed out that um, the people that they deal with sometimes have never been outside of the inner city. So they'll go and stand face to face with a cow and they'll say something like, you mean when I go to McDonald's, this is where my burger comes from? And that having that interaction causes that person to start seeing the world differently from their isolated, you know, not-so-great experiences in the main streets of Cleveland. So I think that helps them gain perspective, too, like a different worldview that they just didn't have access to before. And that's not necessarily their fault.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's why they say that Travel, any kind of travel Mm, that you mm -hmm. can do can help expand your thoughts and ideas and emotions, you know, that come about when you have more experiences and more places to draw ideas from, it can help you to understand just more things in general, I think. Mm, So if you like grew up in poverty in the inner city and never saw a chicken or a cow, you could have no idea where your food comes from.
1: Right. Because you're not thinking about why it matters where it comes from. You're just making sure that you have something.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that takes up a lot of mental space. Yes,
1: absolutely. So St. Herman's House, keep it up. Good work. I like it. And then the last article we're going to reference pretty quickly here is that from wvpublic.org. And the... Um, Title is Farming Gives Hope to Some Veterans with PTSD. Quote, I found a new normal in my life. And I thought this one was interesting because the this veteran, his name's Eric, um, he actually struggled with PTSD for decades and it went undiagnosed. So he's been struggling with it since 1990. And his wife kind of noticed, but they never really talked about it, which I can't even imagine, like, not... Being able to put words to or fully acknowledge what my spouse was going to going through, just knowing that they came back and they weren't the same. Yeah, I can't even imagine what that would be like. So, he says that now, um, four years after he starting farming started farming, he said he feels like he's finally gotten his life back. And many of the veterans who have gone into agriculture echo those those sentiments. Um, And they identify beekeeping specifically as therapeutic. And um, Eric says, every bee has a specific job in the hive. They don't argue. There's no second thought to what they have to do to survive. Whereas in, in society, it's nothing but conflict. There's no cohesiveness. Military... We have cohesiveness. I think it brings me back to where I used to have, and the harmony of working as a team and everyone thinking the same way to accomplish something. That's what bees do, and they do it in such a harmonious way. And I thought that was, like, interesting.
0: Yeah, it it's such a beautiful way to describe military service. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I agree because you you know I would imagine I don't have military experience. I would imagine if somebody's like arguing or not following orders, like things could turn around and be really bad really quickly. So going from that structure and then going back into normal civilian life has to feel like something that I can't even begin to understand.
0: Well, yeah, because like when you're in the military, your co-workers all do what they're ordered to do. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, we both work in the civilian world, and that is not the reality.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: And I can see why that's really upsetting,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to ask very nicely and repeatedly for things sometimes, and it can get very frustrating. so <laughs> and I'm nor and that's normal, and I'm used to it. So I can't imagine I can imagine it'd be very jarring to go from military background and being placed into like my job or your job <laughs> and just feeling like, what the hell?
0: Well, and I think that that thought the the orderliness and the structure I think that's the thing that was missing from my original comments about um what drives people to military service because I'm like no it's not just danger and adrenaline like there's more to it than that they they are people that like order as well Mm -hmm. so I mean that kind of helps give it like a full complete picture because I wasn't trying to say that you know they're adrenaline junkies by any means because that wasn't what my intention was but that's, right, no. there's like all these little pieces that go into a personality and I think that there's something in all of those that when people come back from military service and don't feel like they have a place anymore that's where this type of therapy can be most effective I think yeah, because it's not going to happen to everybody that comes back from war right, or decides right. not to continue serving Like it's just a specific, it's just people with the specific traits that the farming and the beekeeping can help replace those those longings that they have in mm. within their being cuz like farming is something that you're kind of called to, right? That's how I always see it described and that's how I feel about it for myself.
1: Yeah, I think in order to deal with it you have to. <laughs> it's got to be like in your DNA almost, I feel in some way, whether right. it's like a family <laughs> thing or something that you just feel uh, undeniably attracted to like a magnet
0: yeah and you know one of the things is is we can't forget that bees aren't the only animals that help with this chickens are another answer to this and we're so excited because one of our friends brad from coop dreams actually has a really great organization that helps give coops to troops active duty (laughs) and retired military yes troops (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. So you've probably heard us talk about Brad now for a while because he's kind of a big deal. And we interviewed him a while ago. Um, And I think it's called Drink Drink and Coop Dreams, maybe. Um, But he, like Bev said, he's got a program called Coops for Troops. And they provide chickens, a coop, a starter pack of feed and supplies to returning veterans. Um, The families of deployed military personnel... Um, military schools and VA hospitals and retirement homes because chickens have shown to be great therapy animals and they promote bonding and responsibility as well as companionship and entertainment and can reduce stress and anxiety. So we know that um, having these chickens in people's lives can make a difference and help them not feel so isolated, depressed, depressed, anxious, or alone. So, if you're interested in um, nominating someone, you can go to slash uh, coops for troops. We'll put that up in the show notes and you can nominate someone um, by filling it out and hitting submit. It's that easy. So, we didn't want chickens to get the short end of the stick today. So, they're also important.
0: <laughs> and, you know, we've actually had the honor of meeting a family that mm-hmm. was a recipient of this Coops for troops so that was a really cool experience you can see the difference that this has had in their lives and so it's really nice that he continues to spread that to as many people that he can through this program
1: yes i agree so now i guess if you've been wanting bees or maybe some more chickens now you know that They are actually good for your mental health. So if that's the tipping point that you needed to um, initiate that new adventure in your life, we hope that you learn something and it just gets you more excited about it. I mean, I'm excited to get bees eventually.
0: Yeah, I am too. So I guess all we can say is you're welcome for the excuse. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Ah, yes. (laughs) yes. And I'm looking at yours, and I almost picked this one, so I'm glad one of us is doing it.
0: (laughs) Well, so I had two that I was kind of going back and forth with, and I picked this one because it was just a little more funny, because, you know, the funny is what I'm kind of going for here.
1: Yeah. So...
0: (laughs) A Florida woman who was pinned to the ground by a camel outside a Louisiana truck stop last week told sheriff's deputies that she bit the camel's testicles in order to escape.
1: (laughs) (sighs) So much is wrong with this sentence. Like, first of all, Florida. So, you know, it's probably going to be a little cruiser. Um, (laughs) Why is she pinned by a camel at a truck stop? And why is her face near the testicles? (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
0: that's got to be everybody's first question. So it turns out that this camel lives as part of a petting zoo at the truck stop, which I don't know, oh. call me crazy, petting zoo at a truck stop just feels like a strange combination.
1: I mean, I, I would stop, know. though, if I had my choice between two truck stops and this one says you get to pet a camel, I'm going to the camel.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. So <laughs> it's a, it's an advertising ploy from the uh truck stops perspective oh i'm sure (laughs) but what happened to this lady was uh she and her husband stopped at this truck stop while they were on a road trip to let their dog go to the bathroom and apparently their dog ran into the camel's enclosure um while it was running after pet treats that had been thrown in by the husband so the husband threw the dog's treats into the camel enclosure and the dog ran into it
1: worst husband award
0: Right. Oh. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> so she was obviously worried about her dog. She crawled in there to try to get her dog out. And when she got in there, the camel pinned her against the wall and then sat on top of her. And so she said, and I quote, I bit his balls to get him off of me. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, best quote ever. <laughs> And the person that owns, or no, so the sheriff deputy actually said that the camel did nothing wrong, the couple were the aggressive ones, the camel was just doing its normal routine, so it's not the camel's fault. And the people that own him have said that he's never gone out, never been aggressive, never caused any trouble. So like this camel isn't a menace to society. I think all of that stuff about how she ended up in the pen kind of tells us that the camel wasn't mm-hmm. the menace to society. Right. There are some people that just are, apparently. <laughs> <sighs> no sense. No sense whatsoever. Gosh. None. None. <laughs> and apparently, she had to go to the hospital after this because camels can weigh up to 1,600 pounds. Which, yeah. oh my gosh, I, I mean, that could have been really deadly for her. So I yeah. know that we're kind of laughing about it because she survived and like all of this is just so weird. But I mean, this could have been really serious. Yeah. So um, and I guess the truck stop manager said that the couple like or the the husband made the situation even worse by making threatening gestures at the camel with his hat Oh when,
1: God.
0: you know, the camel sat on his wife.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, worst
0: husband award ever. Can we can we send out a trophy for that, please, and thank you? Oh,
1: yeah. Stay Get on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the manager stressed that if the couple had just asked for help in the stop's restaurant, um, that uh, there would have been help given and said that they were trespassers. And I kind of have to agree with that. All of this was
1: just... Stupid. It was stupid and, exactly. and unnecessary. And those owners could probably press charges if they really wanted to. I mean, assault on a camel's balls has to be a serious charge.
0: I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, it doesn't seem like there's any like repercussions to the camel or anything. So, you know, Sometimes that happens. Yeah. Uh, but no, it just uh, hopefully they learned a lesson and they stay out of camel closures for crying out loud.
1: No kidding. (laughs) So what can't you even get over this week? So I saw this on Facebook and it just made me shake my head. Um, so my article is from mentalfloss.com and the title is Tennessee woman rescues a kitten that turns out to be a bobcat. (laughs) So, this takes place in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and a good Samaritan named Jill Hicks rescued a kitten she saw darting across the road. But when she showed the kitten to her neighbor, she discovered it was no ordinary domestic kitten. It was a bob kitten. Oh my gosh. So, she brought the adorable kitty (laughs) to the nearby and punnily named, for fox sake, wildlife rescue, which kudos to them for that (laughs) um and the young feline (laughs) is dubbed arwen so um even though uh this jill person thought she was a kitten she said had i known it was a bobcat being that small and in a high traffic area i would have still done the same thing which i don't know that i necessarily agree with but at the same time (laughs) i might too i don't know But um, for Fox's sake, will care for Arwen until she's healthy enough to return to the wild. And um, they posted a picture of her a few days ago, and it said she's doing great and gained two ounces since her arrival. However, they are treating her for anemia. And on um, September 26th, uh, for Fox's sake, mentioned that they received a lot of requests about people wanting to adopt Arwen. And they said there is a 0% chance that Arwen or any other bob kitten will grow up to be a suitable house pet. Uh, Even when raised by humans, bobcats (laughs) are unpredictable, territorial wild animals with a prey drive and have no desire to please human beings. In other words, sorry, but you won't be able to adopt a bob kitten. And if for some reason Arwen won't be able to be re-released into the wild, the rescue said she would go to a zoo or a nature center. So... There isn't, like, a. I didn't put a picture in here. But if you see a picture of this cat, you can tell it's not a kitten. And, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say you. I could say I can tell it's not a kitten. But I need to realize that not everyone grew, grew up with, like, hunting magazines uh, in their bathroom. Like, in a basket in front of the toilet. Where There are pictures of these sort of things all the time. So not everybody knows that a bobcat has spots or it sometimes has black tufts of fur on their ears. Um, So if you ever rescue a cat and have a question about it, just contact a wildlife professional um to come check it out and make sure you don't actually have a bobcat instead of a kitten because now i like after hearing about lo- those kids in cleveland not understanding where their food came from or never seeing a cow in real life before it makes me realize that this person probably just had no clue and she was just being a good person
0: <laughs> well so i don't know anything about cats i mean like these barn kittens i have are the first two cats i've had in decades and i know that that's not a cat <laughs> okay
1: so maybe, <laughs> but I mean, it's still pretty dang cute.
0: Oh, it is super cute, and I can see why she wanted to save it. But you know, one thing that's really important to keep in mind is, as human beings, we have to be careful not to interfere with wildlife too much. Like, I really hope that the bobcat's mom wasn't just like standing in the shadows waiting yeah, for it.
1: That's what. And I then was this lady kind of swooped in and took it. Yeah. Yeah. Because she could have been darting across the road because her mom just darted across the road. Exactly. Yeah. But we won't know. And as long as the bobcat's okay now, that's what really matters. It is. So we don't have a farm story this week, but we realized that we haven't really been asking for them lately. We've just been kind of sharing them. So if you have a farm story that you'd like to share... You can send those to drinkandfarm at gmail.com or send them to us via direct message on Instagram. Um, So if you have a farm story, it can be short, it can be long, it can be funny or sad. It doesn't matter. Send them our way and we will read them on the podcast.
0: Yes, we will. And we're also trying a new thing. We're going to start reading our favorite Apple podcast review of the week and if you don't have an apple product do not despair you can still rate and review the podcast you just have to download itunes onto your regular old laptop or desktop computer and you can still leave us a review but what we're doing is when we read your review we're going to take all the reviews that we read that month and we're going to draw a name out of the hat and that person is going to win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be inside our merch shop. So it's an exclusive coffee mug and we're really excited about it.
1: Yes. And it's very important that when you leave the review, you put like your Instagram handle in the review or your full name if you're in our Facebook group. So we have a way to find you um, to get your address and send it to you if you win. And we are very pleased to announce that we have our September winner. To share with you, Beverly, do you want to announce who that is?
0: It is. I was going to do a drum roll, but I have nothing to drum against. So you just have to pretend that I did it in my head. There we go. Natalie Quist. Woo!
1: Yay, Natalie. We will reach out to you to make sure we have the correct address for you because we know you're a Patreon peep. And uh, we will send that to you as soon as possible. So thank you. Yeah. So for this week, we don't have a new review to share with you, which means your October odds are like really better off anyways now. So if you haven't left us a review yet, make sure you go do that so you can have a chance to win in the October drawing. Yeah.
0: And don't forget to hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because this helps more people like you find the podcast
1: yes and if you would do us a favor and share this episode over on instagram in your stories and tag us at drinkin' and farm and we will send you a promo code just for that episode that will give you 15 percent off in our shop
0: and make sure that you take a look at the show notes to get all the links to the articles we discussed because there were a lot of them and they're all really awesome ones this week and there's also a link to a survey so you can tell us how we're doing And a link to our Facebook community and our merch shops.
1: Yeah. So thanks so much for listening this week, guys. We hope you enjoyed it and learned more about beekeeping and mental health.
0: Yeah. And until next time, drink. Farm. And
1: and give
0: zero clucks. Bye, guys. We
1: drink things. We farm things. We drink and things.